I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg for ReachMDXM160. On a Sunday in late May 2009, Dr. George Tiller, one of the few physicians in the United States to provide late-term abortions for women, was shot and killed while serving as an usher at his church in Wichita, Kansas. An outspoken opponent of abortion is charged with Dr. Tiller's murder. It is the latest chapter in a decades-long debate on the issue of abortion, a debate that has been galvanized by strong sentiments on both sides of the issue. Not long ago, I had the opportunity to speak with Dr. Susan Wickland. Dr. Wickland is a physician who has performed abortions for more than 20 years. She's the author of the book, This Common Secret, My Journey as an Abortion Doctor. She was also a friend and colleague of the late Dr. Tiller. As a national radio channel for medical professionals, we recognize that there are important viewpoints to be heard on both sides of this issue. This conversation reflects the views and perspectives of a physician who provides abortions, Dr. Susan Wickland. Our guest today has had to carry a 38 revolver to get to work safely and has had the experience of having her daughter see her face on wanted posters. For more than 20 years, she's been an abortion doctor and has written a book about her life on the front lines. Welcome to the Clinician's Roundtable. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, your host, and with us today is Dr. Susan Wickland, author of This Common Secret, My Journey as an Abortion Doctor. Welcome, Susan. Thank you very much for having me. Before we start to talk, I have to give a disclaimer. We're going to be talking about sensitive issues that affect our listeners at many levels. And this show is about Dr. Wickland's personal journey and beliefs and does not represent any position of ReachMDXM. So that being said, Susan, your book is called This Common Secret, My Journey as an Abortion Doctor. Could you take a minute to tell us about yourself and how you got involved in women's reproductive health? Well, I was a very naive and young mother or young woman, actually, when I got pregnant with an unattended pregnancy. It was just after Roe v. Wade had been passed. I found myself in a clinic in Portland, Oregon that unfortunately was not one of the best clinics at that time. How old were you? 22. Not married and you know, living a very poor existence, working three jobs, trying to find a way to support myself and having had no college under my belt at that time. And the clinic that I went to, as I was saying, really was not a very good place. I ended up very scared and no one explained what was going on to me. When I started asking questions, I became combative, and they basically told me to shut up and lie still and ended up holding me down and drugging me to do the abortion. So it was a horrifying experience. I want to emphasize to people that this is not the normal experience and it is not the way abortions are done today. And one of the reasons is because I've been fighting very hard to make sure that this doesn't happen to women. It certainly does not happen to women in any situation or any clinic that I'm working in. But as time went on, I had a child, I was married, and ended up going to medical school. It was not something I had ever talked about or thought about as a child, but it was a very strange set of circumstances. Did end up going to undergrad and medical school as a single mother and was determined to learn to do abortions so that I could do them for my own patients in a much more sensitive manner. And it became evident shortly after I started a general practice in my hometown in northern Wisconsin that there was a need for physicians who would do primarily abortions in clinics that were scattered throughout the Midwest that didn't have enough physicians and didn't have physicians that were willing to put up with the protesters and the the harassment. I'm not sure why I decided I could handle it, but I tackled that project, and that's what I've been doing for almost 20 years. So do you think your experience with your own abortion really was what got you to medical school, or was it more than that? No, that's not what got me to medical school per se. It is what pushed me to learn to do abortions so that I could do them in a better manner. But as far as going to medical school at all, 
again, I was a single mom. I had no education, but I had been involved in midwifery on a very basic level. I had my daughter at home and learned a lot from the woman that attended my birth and really enjoyed trying to educate people about their health. It's something that just rang with me and was at a Easter party and talking to a, a man who turned out to be a counselor and at the end of the party he said to me, well, it's real obvious that you should be a doctor. And I can remember literally holding my belly and falling on my side in the grass laughing, thinking how ridiculous was that. I'd grown up in a family that didn't really push or put any value on higher education and you know, very poor rural Wisconsin family in that sense and didn't have any resources. In fact, at the time I was living in a tent in a goat pasture, literally. And he had planted the seed, however, and within four months I'd moved into a little trailer house and was attending college and went through and, and did very well. Okay, so let's fast forward now to you're through with your training and you're starting to work in women's reproductive clinics. Can you talk about the early experiences? Yeah, at first, protesters didn't realize that I was a physician going in and out of the clinic all the time. But when they did figure it out, they targeted me, and I think for a number of reasons. One, I was a woman. They figured I was vulnerable. And number two, I had a young daughter. So as they often realize, and I think it's true, if you can harass the doctor's family enough, they will often stop doing abortions. This was pressure from the family. And they started protesting at our house, at the clinic, following me to the clinic, threatening death threats. This was before any physicians had been killed. Came to our home and blocked the driveway with big cement barrels, trying to keep me from being able to get out to get to the clinic. Followed my daughter to school, put up wanted posters around our town, went to her school and handed up flyers and posters that said, Sonia's mother kills babies. And it just went on and on with the type of harassment. Luckily, I was able to withstand it. It was quite a journey. We ended up doing a piece for 60 minutes. I had not done any public speaking about it or talking out loud. In fact, I didn't even know if most of my family knew that I was involved in abortion care. But, of course, that rather exposed it, and I found that I got more support in every area of my life the more people found out what was happening. How do you deal with it when you're trying to go to work and there's concrete barrels in your driveway? How do you get around those? Did the police help support you? At that time, no. Unfortunately, the place that we lived, there wasn't a lot of help from the local police. One of the reasons being, as they stated, there were more protesters in our yard and on our property than there were police officers in the county. It was a rural northern Minnesota county. So we didn't get a lot of help. And in fact, there were times when I had to sneak out of the house at night and go a back path through woods, et cetera, to get out of the house and, and get to another vehicle to drive, you know, 200 and some 300 miles to work up in Fargo. Most of the time when we knew there was going to be blockade, when there was a lot of protesters around, I would just not go home. I would stay at someone else's home in the neighborhood or go from one clinic to the next and not get to go home at all. So you worked in multiple clinics. Why not stay just in one clinic? Was there not enough work there or you were needed in multiple places? There was a need in many different clinics, and most of the clinics were only open for abortion care, usually two days a week. So there was a period of time, for instance, that I would fly on Monday morning to Appleton, Wisconsin, and do clinic for them on Monday and Tuesday, staying the night, Monday night, of course, fly home on Tuesday, and then drive up to Duluth, Minnesota, and do clinic on Wednesday, and then flying in and out of Minneapolis-St. Paul, fly from on Thursday morning to either Milwaukee, Wisconsin, or to Fargo, North Dakota on opposite weeks and do clinic on Thursday and Friday, and then on Saturday often have one other clinic that I would travel to. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg, and I'm speaking with Dr. Susan Wickland, author of This Common Secret, My Journey as an Abortion Doctor. And we're learning about what she had to endure sometimes to get out of her driveway on the way to work. 
whatever your position is on the subject of abortion or pro-life, it's a fabulous book. So we're not talking about the position, we're talking about the book. Susan, what was it like going to work with a gun and wearing a disguise? Well, I think at that point in my life, I was willing to do anything to get to the clinic. I just was not about to let anyone telling me that I could or couldn't perform abortions or that I couldn't work at my chosen profession. So wearing disguises was one way for me to be able to get in and out of the clinics without being identified by the protesters and therefore endure a little bit less harassment. And the 38 Special, I grew up with guns, I'm very proficient with firearms, and it was a natural thing for me to go to when they started murdering doctors, calling it, of course, justifiable homicide. So a bulletproof vest and a concealed weapon became part of my normal attire for quite some time. How do you feel about all the pro-life activists and, and the way you were treated and the methods they used to try and stop you? Well, obviously, I strongly disagree. I don't think anyone has the right to try to stop people from getting to work that's legal or from women to exercising the reproductive choices. The thing that's been so important for me in doing this book is to try to get out the word and let people understand, help people understand how common abortion is. We know that almost 40% of women in this country will have an abortion at some point in their lives. So to try to say that it's not common or that it's rare is just not true. But yet women don't talk about it. And part of that has been a rhetoric that has come up in this country that tries to shame physicians and also tries to shame women. And we are letting it happen. And I'm trying to turn that around, trying to get people to talk about it and understand that it's a good thing to have choices. Reproductive justice is vital to women in this country to women all around the world so that we have control of not just our reproductive lives, but also that means control of our economic lives, our educational lives, our emotional health are all dependent on we as women being able to decide when and if we can have children. Do you feel that physicians in general or our our institutions are dealing with the issue of reproductive rights in an honest way or, or are they avoiding it? Oh, they're totally avoiding it. Most physicians are completely avoiding it. I go to many, many places, I've been with the book and talked to physicians and they'll say over and over again, well, I, you know, it's fine. I think women should have the choice. I see it every day, but I certainly don't want to do it. I don't want it in my practice because I'm afraid I'll lose business. I'll lose money if I'm doing abortions and the antis find out about it. And, of course, they will, and they will let the communities know. But in reality, I feel and I've found that especially family practice docs, OBGYNs who are open about it, actually many of them have more patients because women on a very gut level, want to support a physician who will support them. They want their own physician to take care of them. If that doctor's already delivered two babies and they come in with a third pregnancy that they are not prepared to parent, they don't want to be sent to a clinic 200 miles away to a complete stranger and have to deal with protesters going in the clinic. They want their own physician to take care of them, and I think physicians around the country are too afraid of taking that step. And it would take a lot of the fire out of this debate if... Every physician just took care of their own patients, and we didn't have to have these clinics that really marginalize those of us who are providing abortions. Are you still working today? I am not working right now. I've been doing the book, but mostly I'm not working because I'm trying to open up a clinic again in a town here in Montana, and one of the uh, other clinics that I've been working for for quite some time decided that because I'm going to open up a clinic in the area, and of course it's a 100 and some miles from the nearest clinic and from the one I used to work at, but they felt that I would be competition, and that's very sad. Within the pro-choice community, we should be talking about collaboration. What price did your family pay for your choice of career, and was it worth it? 
Yes, I think it was worth it. They've been incredibly supportive on all levels. My daughter is still supportive and tells me she feels like I've done the right thing and continue to do the right thing. And I feel like the good that I've been able to do, and I feel it has been good in helping women get through this choice in a very emotionally safe way as well as a physically safe manner, that I think it's been worth it, yes. What advice would you give our audience, which is mostly composed of primary care doctors, about this issue? What can we do about it? Can we speak about it? Should we open up this discussion more? Absolutely opening up the discussion more with your partners in a practice, with your patients. Ask your patients, you know, how do you feel about this issue and how would you feel if I provided abortions? Even the medication abortion, which is very doable for physicians in most settings, how would your patients feel about it? And I think you'll be surprised at how much support you would get. Women want to talk about this. They want to talk about the reproductive choices. We unfortunately don't open that door for them often enough. Susan, thank you for being our guest today and telling us about your journey as an abortion doctor. The book is called This Common Secret, My Journey as an Abortion Doctor. ReachMDXM is here for you, the health professionals who care for your patients. We welcome your questions and comments. Please visit us at ReachMD.com, where our newly redecorated website and our on-demand and podcast features will allow you to access our entire program library. Register on the website and enter promo code RADIO for six months of free podcasts. And we thank you for listening. As we take the opportunity to reflect on Dr. Wicklund's interview, some numbers may help us gain insight on abortion around the United States. Data first culled in 1996 and cited as recently as 2008 tells us it is one of the most common minor surgical procedures in this country. As of the latest research from 2005, an estimated 45 million women have had legal abortions here since the Supreme Court decision of Roe v. Wade in 1973. Nearly 90% of counties in the United States do not have an abortion provider, and almost half of the states in our union, 24 as of this recording, require a waiting period before an abortion procedure can be completed. 32 states require mandatory counseling. The bulk of this data comes from the Guttmacher Institute, a nonprofit organization focused on sexual and reproductive health research, and from Physicians for Reproductive Choice and Health. As a final note, Dr. George Tiller's family has announced that his clinic, Women's Healthcare Services Incorporated in Wichita, Kansas, will close permanently. The clinic's closing reportedly cuts the number of facilities in the United States that offer late-term abortions to two. I'm Dr. Michael Greenberg for Reach MDXM160, the channel for medical professionals.